It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Merrick Harpel and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmerrickharpel.com. And today is Sunday, November the 3rd, and we're back in beautiful Austin, Texas, and this time we are in our downtown studio. And we have another great program in store for you. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make the show run smoothly. And as I said, we have a great show. So right after the break, I will be joined right here in the studio once again by Jay Schneider, founder of Bridge to Shore Interventions and Sober Services. And this time, Jay brings with him Caitlin Stowell of BRC Recovery, a treatment program for addictions. And we're going to have an interesting conversation about intervention, treatment, and some of the challenges, especially this time of year during the holiday season. And then I'll be discussing some more thoughts that I've had along my path. Uh, following a passionate journey and some of the ups and downs and getting through the the difficult times to keep on track towards following your passion. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And if you do have a question, be sure that you call or your email um, while the guests are still here in the studio so they can answer your questions right here on this show. And if you want to hear this evening's program again, you can go to my website and the link to the podcast along with all of the contact links and other important information will be posted later tonight. And that's at drmarakarpel.com. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. For information from previous programs, to listen to all of the shows that we have done since we've been here on Blog Talk Radio, to read my blogs, in Huffington Post and Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global um, to find out about my book, to watch the videos that we have done right here in the studio when we've had guests here in the studio, which we'll be doing tonight as well. 
You can do all of that at my website, drmaricarpel.com. You can also hear all of the previous programs that we've done with Blog Talk Radio for the last six years by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And also be sure to follow me on Facebook. And that is Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, because if you follow me on Facebook, you'll find out what's coming up next, what show is coming up next, um, whenever a blog is posted, and any other events and interesting information. So that's a good place to go. So those, those are the main places um, to find the show and to find out information about the program. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City, practicing right here in Austin, Texas, and sometimes in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers. And for the past few years, I've been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected mental health issues. And if you want to contact me, if you have a question or there's some information that you think I should know about, um, you can feel free to give me a call. My phone number is 512-626-6973, or you can send me an email to drmara at drmaracarpel.com. Or you can go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and just click on the contact link. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909, or send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com, and his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. All right, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsors' commercials, but it's going to be really brief, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back, and when we come back, um, my guest, Jay Schneider, founder of Bridge to Shore Interventions and Sober Services, and Caitlin Stowell of BRC Recovery will be right here in the studio with me. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors.
Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. All right. And this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. And joining me in the studio, I have Jay Schneider of uh, Bridge to Shore Interventions and Sober Services and Caitlin Stowell of BRC Recovery. And we're talking about intervention and recovery from addictions. And especially at this time of year, there may be some more challenges that go along with that. So before we get into that, why don't we start with just a discussion about a little bit about your history. Maybe start with you, Caitlin. Okay. So again, I'm Caitlin Stowell, and I work for BRC Recovery, and we're here in Austin, Texas. And I've been with them for about five and a half years. And my role with BRC is um, I'm kind of like the liaison between the family or the referral source and getting the person into treatment. And we're a long-term treatment center. We're a 90-day minimum with a full continuum of care. Um, I'm a RISE trained, which is an intervention training, but I don't do interventions. I just do a lot of family work mm-hmm. um, over the phone and kind of the front end before people get to treatment. Okay. All right. And Jay, you've been here before. But I have. Thanks for having me yeah, back. I appreciate for... you having me on the show again. Yeah. So um, I'm an interventionist, professionally trained. I got into... Um, uh, the process of uh, intervention back in 2001, after I had a family member commit suicide from being di- diagnosed as uh, having bipolar. Um, and so I was compelled to get into this field to try and help change the trajectory of uh, families' lives that had someone either suffering from mental health or substance use disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, to where they didn't suffer the same tragic loss that my family had. So uh, I was professionally trained by a psychiatrist uh, while I was living in Arizona and worked in the field as a behavioral health counselor, as a crisis interventionist, um, and a a mental health uh, court liaison for uh, a little over nine years. And then moved back to Austin here and got out of this field for about five years. And then about five years ago, um, came to a crossroads and decided that I just, my passion lies in helping families and people find the freedom from uh, the illness, uh, whether it be addiction or mental health, that they may suffer from. So um, I started Bridge to Shore Interventions five years ago, and I get to travel all over the country and parts of the world helping families uh, and individuals who are suffering 
uh, find a new life and a new path to, uh, to mm-hmm. recovery and freedom. So the way that it would work in terms of the continuum here is that it would, it would start with you, right, Jay, doing the intervention. It could, yeah, it could. And then lead to some place such as BRC where Caitlin is. Yeah, so there's many different ways. One of the ways would be they would call Jay, and Jay would do an assessment, and he would decide a few places that would sound good mm-hmm. or be a good fit for that person. And he would call me, and then I would talk with the family, tell them about us, and go over things, and then they would make a decision. Or sometimes, and that's with a difficult client. So that person calling up Jay, obviously, that client probably doesn't want to go to treatment. So they are going to need an intervention. They are going to need professional help. I think most people need professional help with that. But, um, or people just call directly mm-hmm. if they don't need an intervention. Right, if they're self-referred. Perhaps. Yeah, if the family is. I don't yeah. I don't get a lot of phone calls from the addict and the, the alcoholic. Right. The individual. No. Yeah. They want to go to California on the beach with massages. Right. <laughs> so you mean for rehab. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so let me ask you a question. You said you have the full continuum of care. What does that mean? I know what that means for like a senior facility. I know what continuum of care means for that, but I don't know what that means for addiction treatment facility. Okay, so we have the residential portion, and that's when they're in treatment, and there's 24-7 supervision and doctors and nurses and everything. And so they're with us there for about 90 days minimum. There's also 30-day places, but we believe in the long-term 90 days. Uh Um, And why we do that is because after 30 days, they are going to look better. They are going to feel better, but they are not better. Their brain is not healed. And uh, they really need to get in the groove of things. And so what we do is we really have that full continuum of care for the first year. So for us, what that looks like is the 90-day minimum. It can be four months. It really just depends. And then they go into high accountability sober living houses. And then from there, they can go into sober living apartments. So and that's all at BRC? It's all under our care. So they mm-hmm. have like the same staff that knows them and comes and meets with them. And we have sober coaches that meet with them as well and really help the parents and them that first year of when is it okay to do something, when is it not, not okay uh-huh. to help them or not. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and BRC offers really great treatment. Uh, one thing that um, I came up with an analogy, you know, back in the day, everyone believes that treatment is 28 days or 30 days. And Mm -hmm. then everyone, you know, that went to treatment um, for 28 or 30 days, 28 days or 30 days, 30 days should be uh, healed or better or cured. Um, And the analogy I came up with is that let's say we took Caitlin while she's sleeping and put her on a small airplane and we climbed to 10,000 feet and Caitlin's asleep and we strap a, a parachute to Caitlin's back while she's sleeping. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. And we get, we get to 10,000 feet, and she doesn't know where she is, what we've done, and we wake her up at 10,000 feet on that small plane, and we say, Caitlin, you, you're asleep, and we're on a small plane. We're at 10,000 feet, and we're, we put a parachute on your back. We're getting ready to throw you out of the plane, <laughs> and when you get to 2,000 feet, you need to pull the red ripcord on the right-hand side. If not, you're going to die. And we throw Caitlin out of the plane, and she she has no clue what we just said to her or how to follow those directions because she is not even awake enough 
right. to understand. And that's really 30-day treatment, mm-hmm. which was uh, all generated by uh, insurance companies, really, okay. um, as the model all that right. they thought really? would work. But honestly, when you're talking about someone going to detox and then going to treatment, that substance mainly, specifically alcohol, stays in the in the body longer, and it takes longer to clear than any other substance. Um, so it's in your body longer than it's 30 in your body days? longer, um, and and in the in the fatty tissue wow. of the body. So it can be in the fatty tissue of the brain for you know a year or longer, depending on wow um, the use of of the client. Mm-hmm. So. When we're thinking, the families or professionals thinking they should be thinking clearly and understand, that is just not the case. Right. And so the client gets out of treatment after 30 days, and they may relapse. Maybe they didn't fully engage and utilize the tools that they were given in that 30 days. Or maybe they just didn't understand at all what it is that they needed to do. And in their mind, they need to start running their life again like they did before, and they continue to run up against the problems that were so overwhelming for them that they sought relief in the bottle or the drug in the first place, right? So they get out, they may relapse, and, and the client goes, I went to treatment, it didn't work. The family said, we sent them to treatment, it didn't work. And then we've lost our opportunity possibly for them to ever seek right. help again. They give up. So long-term mm-hmm. treatment gives them the ability to practice the very things once they are awake enough to grab hold of those tools, mm-hmm. to utilize them, and to start practicing to show how those tools can actually work and benefit them in right. their lives. Yeah, I like the fact that you follow up with them after they've moved out of being in this safe environment that they're there 24-7 where they're not um, coming up against those stressors, right? So you kind of follow them step by step as they gradually move into the real world. Talk a little bit about accountability, if you would. You you guys have great accountability. It's a very high accountability facility, and with your question about or when you were talking about going into the sober living and the high accountability houses a lot what we used to do we used to have them in that 90 days and then you would go to sober living it was Mm -hmm. too big of a drop off Mm -hmm. Um, so our clients tell us what we need and then we react to that Uh but the accountability that we're up against or that we deal with at BRC is that person that comes to us so yes they suffer from from a disease Um, Yes, they have done some things, and yes, that they are sick, but they need to be accountable for what they've done. Mm -hmm. And so they need to take responsibility for their life and their actions. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of do a mirror image of them and show them kind of when the community approach how to do that in real life. So with the 90 days, they're not just sitting there sitting in lectures. They're participating in what they need to do out in the real world. Uh Uh-huh. So. We want to see, we want them to lose their cool. We want to see who they really are. And that in 30 days, you can hold your breath. Right. When they're with us for 90 days. You can be the actor in 30 days. We don't want compliance. We want surrender. Right. And so that's really what we try to get and, you know, really set them up because if they don't make their bed in treatment, they're not going to make their bed when they get out of treatment. Mm -hmm. Just little things like that. I mean, I went to treatment myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a 90-day program that I stayed in for 13 months with the with the continuum of care and everything is like mm-hmm. that. And here's the thing: it doesn't matter how smart you are, 
It doesn't matter if you have friends, an apartment, a job, any of that. The reality is, is that their issue is, once they come in, they don't know how to live life sober. So everything is new sober. Like Jay was saying, they have to really, it takes some time to learn Mm -hmm. how to get back in the swing of things, no matter how smart or well-adjusted to life you think you are. So uh, I have a question. The, the 30 days that they came up with originally, and you, as you said, it was generated mainly by insurance companies. Was that because at that point, after 30 days, you look better? Like the, the you've gone through the withdrawal symptoms and those are over, so people assume now that you're, you're fine? I don't know that anyone, had, you know, back in the day had ever um, considered long-term treatment before as being a solution to people who suffer from addiction or alcoholism. Mm. Um, You know, I don't know all the details of of the 30 day model um, of, you know, why it wasn't longer than that. But, uh, but do you see that, that people tend to look better after 30 days? Yeah. People look better. They feel better. They have some food uh, in their body where they might have been lacking in nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're sleeping better usually um so they're more and, likely and to then be their brain kicks in right their brain that they have uh, been asleep to a lot of things uh of how they operate and function in life and and how what they've been doing affects others and families and work and things like that they start to wake up a little bit and all of a sudden the brain wants to take control of everything and start to manage their life again. And um, they find themselves in a place once again, where um, they face difficulties and life can seem overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And um, I say that, you know, the brain uh, and the mind has an expiration date for everything. So the very consequence um, that might've brought them into treatment or to seek help in the first place, whether that be an internal consequence or family consequence or a legal consequence, the very thing that brought them into treatment um, only has an expiration date. And we don't know what that is. It could be a month, it could be a couple months, but at some point, it seems like the brain of the addict and alcoholic um, has an expiration date that they forget the very thing, the very consequence that led them to seek help in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they get, they find themselves kind of what they see is backed into a corner in their mind in this dark place again, where life is becoming overwhelming. And if they have not consistently utilized the tools they've been given in treatment, they believe they're making a choice to pick up again, to use a substance or alcohol to treat their internal condition, right? They don't believe they're going to treat their internal condition. What they do believe is that they can manage and control the drink or the drug. Again, even though their experience shows them that's not the case, their mind tells them that it is the case. So the extra time, Kind of the extra time and the practice, it's like practice, anything else. The right. more you practice something consistently, um, mm-hmm. the, the better. And I would think that getting out, uh, you know, getting out into the real world and still having treatment while you're going through that yeah. and having people point that out to you yeah, is definitely. really powerful. 
Yeah, and one of the things I love about BRC is that they're very much a peer-driven uh, mm -hmm. community. Um, so you have, you know, people that have been there two months helping mirror to the guys that have been there one month and uh -huh. vice versa, the guys that have been there three months, mm -hmm. if I'm correct, mirroring to the two months and, and things like that. So, so there's accountability within the community and not just from staff members or clinicians or therapists, mm -hmm. you know, um, pointing the finger going, you should, or you right. shouldn't, but within the peer group themselves. And that has a lot of uh, depth and weight to it. Right, right. When yeah. someone comes in, and I know for myself, the authority figure, I'm automatically not going to trust. I think it's me versus you. <clears throat> I don't need to be here. You think I need to be here. How, how am I gonna get out sure. of here? But when someone walks up to you and says, hey, I was just like you, this is what I did and now I feel better, you can too. Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to believe that person first. And so we use that to our advantage, mm -hmm. you know? And because when you get out of treatment, because you're not going to be in treatment your whole life. Mm -hmm. You have to go live life after this and your life will change. You know, it's not just something that you go to, you do it and you're done and there, there we go. And um, what happens is, is that you build that community. Mm-hmm with people and you build that trust. And so while they're in there building that community, they can mirror that once they get out and they need that for when they get out. Right. But also what's really important about not just them being in treatment, the family gets treatment as well mm -hmm. while they're in there. So they get some time, they get to really, because a lot of times that addict or alcoholic has terrorized mm -hmm. them. They're worried. They're, they lose sleep. They don't know when they're going to see or hear from them next or get that call. It's a relief to have them there. Right. So I'm sure it gives time for the families to heal as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of times families will say, oh, but they have the problem. And um, they see after some professional help and stuff that, wow, like they got so used to that person being addicted in their life and how it changed their life. Right. And very often enabling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and also part of uh, what happens is when a family retains me for services for the intervention process is that they retain me for a period of 90 days. So uh -huh. while the client is at treatment, uh, receiving help, I'm working with the family um, to get them whatever counseling and help that they might need. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to helping the family dialogue with their loved one who's in treatment. Um, something like not having to answer uh, a question or a want that their loved one calls with from treatment saying, I need this or I want this or not having to have a response right away, but to uh -huh. call me and let's, you know, dialogue what that response looks like mm -hmm. um, back to them. Um, so they need to learn a new way. Of exactly right. To communicate and mm -hmm. to kind of hold some, some boundaries. Um, and to get healthy themselves uh -huh. uh, because, because whereas the person who's been utilizing substances to treat their internal spiritual condition, their mental condition, the family a lot of times does not have that same um, uh, uh, substance to use to treat what they're going through, right? right? So they have these raw emotions that they haven't dealt with. I'm just going to check to see if that's a question or just a random email. No, it's just a random email. <laughs> so 
you know, it's November. We're heading into a holiday season that goes on for a couple of months with lots of parties and family gatherings and a lot of alcohol involved in those parties and maybe even for you know people who've been using other substances this would be a time that they're used to using those substances so what sort of challenges do you find in getting people to treatment and then Caitlin and challenges at treatment so yeah well with when I'm being called there's always challenges um, and so it doesn't honestly matter if it's the holidays, if it's Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, it doesn't matter. Um, If I'm getting called to be a part of the intervention, there's always going to be difficulties and objections from the client. But uh, during the holidays, um, you know, uh, that can certainly be uh, an excuse or a reason or an objection from a client as to why they want to wait till after the holidays and especially if they have children, um, you know, they don't want to be absent from their kids uh, mm-hmm. during the holiday season. Um, but really, there's no time like the present for someone to get help. It doesn't matter if it's the holidays or not. If substances or alcohol or mental health is creating difficulties in your life and the lives of your family or others, the best gift that you can give your family is to, is to reach out for help, mm-hmm. no matter when it is, holidays or not. That's the best gift that you could give your family. Right. Do you find a lot, you get a lot of calls, like, around January 1st, because people are up there? You know, typically after the holidays, there's there's quite a few calls. People feel yeah. like it's a new year. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, one more reason why, you know, now is the time that I'm not going to, continue to do this and uh, and they mean it they mean that you know today is the day uh-huh. after the holidays and they're committed to that um and some can pull that off and some can't mm-hmm. right right um so right but it also means if waiting putting it off till after the holidays means coming and possibly ruining family holidays? Well, you know, unfortunately, I have um, too many tragic stories Mm -hmm. to tell about families who have called me. um, And I've, uh, my job is to tell them the truth and the facts uh, based on my experience of, you know, almost 15 years in this business, but 30 years um, of being in this business and myself in and out of recovery. Uh Um, So uh, too many tragic stories to talk about when you lay out the facts of what waiting might look like and they call you back after a holiday or, uh, and saying so-and-so didn't make it. So-and-so is in jail. So-and-so killed someone in a car accident. I mean, the the list goes on of the tragic cases that uh, didn't necessarily have to happen. Mm-hmm. But the families, you know, are so used to doing things their way and honestly falling into a delusion that um, things are going to be different than they have been, even though their experience says that it's not. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Caitlin, what do you see as a challenge for people who do go into 
or or make it to your at least to your front door or on the phone. Yeah. Just to touch on what Jay said, I mean, we have those stories as well where someone says, oh, they're going to let them decide and they don't want to go right now, but they promise they'll go next week. And I think what we have to remember is people will be like, oh, that's a little overreaction, you know. They're, nothing's going to happen, but they die. This is a fatal progressive disease. And so the time is now if there's an issue. You know, they're on borrowed time already out mm-hmm. there, especially with all the heroin and everything like that and the overdoses or – you know, so like if you need to do something, I think the time is now. But um, getting to us, once they're there, it's really not that big of a bar- barrier once they're there. Because it's really before they get there. They're going to give every excuse. They're going to plead with their family. Don't make me miss Christmas. Why would you do this to me? Mm-hmm. And then you ask them to think back on, did they ruin the last Christmas? Well, yes. I'll be good this time, I promise. You know, mm-hmm. and then the people that let them stay a lot of times are like, if they do make it January 1st, like they ruined Christmas, mm-hmm. let's go. But BRC, so it's not an institution. You know, it's a residential treatment center, but we have, we're men and women gender specific and they never commingle. We're on 70 acres and it's a nice house, a community. So they feel they become kind of part of a family in there. Mm-hmm. And so these people that they're sharing the deepest, darkest stuff that has ever happened to them with, really, there's like a real connection. So they're spending Thanksgiving and Christmas with them and we do a big Thanksgiving thing and then whatever holiday they celebrate, we make sure they get gifts and everybody feels loved and appreciated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not as bad once they're there. I think the real trouble is Getting. the guilt that the family feels sending them there during the time. Right. And I will tell you, when somebody gets there like December 1st, I'm like, oh, you must have really made your family mad, you know, uh-huh. to get here right before Christmas. But we actually, December is one of our busiest months. Is it really? Yeah, BRC, yeah. we treat the chronic relapse or treatment resistant. Mm-hmm. So I want those difficult cases. Um, and so for us, I mean, a lot of those happen around then because they've come home at Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. They've ruined Thanksgiving. And then their parents are like, come on. Or their That's spouse it. or loved one if they right. tune enough. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and really the truth is, is that a client that doesn't go to treatment and stays for the holidays, they may be there physically, but they're mm-hmm. not there emotionally or mentally if they're using. Right. So right. they're just there physically. Yeah, and I would think that in some ways for somebody maybe a little further along who's already like starting, to, it's been more than 30 days and they're starting to have more clarity, maybe relieved that they're there for the holidays. They know that they're not out dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, aside from the increased temptations, right? Because you're around people who are drinking quite a bit this time of year. Um, but also the dysfunctional family issues mm-hmm. that always come up that sometimes are a trigger for using or because of the stress. Mm-hmm. Right? I, that that would be my perception. Sure. Yeah. Right. You know, as a psychologist, um, you know, whenever I, when I was working at the university, I would see, you know, students having to go home for the, to be with their families for holidays. And a lot of them had a lot of stress at home. Mm-hmm. And so that was the issue that brought them even into my office was now I have to go home and deal with my family. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were talking earlier about how 
it doesn't you don't need to necessarily have a, a an addiction at at your family function to have it ruined. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> Although I'm not going to tell the story on. No, don't tell the, the story. But I'm just saying that it. I think it's really common to have dysfunctional um, families yeah. that just always ruin the holidays. So, yeah. you know, if you have somebody who's prone to using a substance to get through the difficult times, then it might be a relief to be away from that mm-hmm. and not have to deal yeah. with that. Definitely. Yeah, and I'm not going to tell you that everybody that gets to treatment gets there and it's joyful and happy once they're there. I think <laughs> I wouldn't believe you if you told no, me that. No, it's not the truth, you know. I always tell people they you're they're going to be mad at you for the first two weeks and they're going to be mad at me for the first two weeks, and you have to be okay with that. Um, but um, what we do is while they're in treatment, you you know, if they want to leave or something, you said, what are the barriers? They're like, I've been here for a month. It's almost Christmas. I want to go home for Christmas. I'm done here. I've done 30 days. Like, this is enough. What keeps them there is the work that Jay's doing with the family. So what we're creating while they're in there is a united front. Okay. Um, and so they call and say, hey, I'm leaving. The family says, they, we read intervention letters to them. We have a whole process. We call it a therapeutic crisis. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have to walk down the road and then walk right back to realize that their family's done enabling them, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, sometimes it's a good thing, but really, I really believe that someone can get well if the family gets well. Right. Right. It's a family issue very often if they're, if they're still connected with their family. Mm-hmm. Right. And to yeah. think that, um, you know, I can sit here and tell you, and I'm sure I know Jay can, how to do an intervention and what to do and all the right things. But when your emotions are involved, you can't see things clearly. That's why you need a professional. Right. So I've been in situations where there's been a loved one and I know what to do, but actually doing it is so hard that I've needed help, Mm -hmm. you know? So really getting with the fact that we know it's hard, you know, it's not easy. Right. But um, it's worth it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, to get them there and then to keep them there. So do you recommend, I know, Jay, you work with the family at getting them help. Do you recommend things like Al-Anon for the family? Yeah, Al-Anon can be a, a great uh, tool and support group <clears throat> for families, um, counseling, private counseling. Um, uh, I know there's other programs out there, but, um, you know, the, the families need support for themselves, however that, you know, may mm-hmm. look for them. I'll make uh, recommendations um, and kind of stay on them to uh, invest in themselves, just like they expect of their loved one to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, it can be the most difficult part of my job is to get the family to buy in to their own well-being and, and mental health needs. Um, because I think, like Caitlin said at the beginning of the program, a lot of times families think that if they send their loved one away, that's the problem. Everything should be good once they get help, right? And no matter how many times you explain it to them, um, a lot of times they are not willing to put forth the same effort that their loved one, right? that they expect their loved one. Right. Just uh, fix them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And- so, as well as having Jay support and everything, 
most programs in our definitely does has a family program. So mm -hmm. we have it set up and we call it an integrated one. So it's not just once a month, it's weekly that we talk to them. So the therapist will call the family every week. The therapist will call Jay every week. Mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, we have a family liaison that calls them and instead of telling them how their loved one is doing, they say, how are you doing? How can I support you? Right. They don't have to talk to that family liaison, but we give them the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. So That's it really great. turns it back around. I mean, I really, really believe with the clients that I'm dealing with, with the chronic relapse or treatment resistance, the family is so important and they have so much leverage and they don't know it. Mm -hmm. You know, they really believe like, well, they agreed to go for 30 days. Why are you giving them a choice? You know, mm -hmm. your money, you're paying, you hold the cards, especially if they're paying for them to live or anything like that. Like they really don't realize how much leverage they have, how they can save someone's life. Yeah. And, and, and the addict and alcoholic has done a great job leading up to that in, in being able to manipulate mm -hmm. and condition the family as to how to react to them or not sure. create waves with the person who needs the help. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the leverage that comes from the family is extremely important in keeping the client in treatment. Um, but the family also comes from a very self-centered place because mom and dad or wife or husband or whoever doesn't want their loved one to be mad at them. Uh -huh. And so as they've done in the past, they will give them what they need so they're not mad at them Right. from a very self-centered perspective, right? And losing sight of this really is what we deal with about life and death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And we see it all the time. And you can really kind of see how something's going to play out, but everybody thinks they're different. Everybody thinks their family's different. They know their loved one and their loved one knows them, which is the real thing. Their loved one knows how to manipulate them, what pushes their buttons, uh -huh. what can make them feel really guilty. And I know this and why I'm so passionate about families really holding that line is because it was done for me. And I don't think I would be sober if, I, if it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, I got sober in 2008 mm -hmm. and I was 21 years old. And I had almost died of an alcohol overdose and wow. things are bad. And my brother actually got me into treatment. Now he was so smart. He knew that my dad would tell me, yes, he had power of attorney because my dad was sick and everything was in his name. So he used that leverage. I was so mad at him. I tried to get people to convince. I told people he treated me like a caged animal and all this stuff. And he just won't let me grow up. But once that fog cleared, and I got started to get well. And today, I mean, there's many times I thank him because what he did for me, even though I was mad at the time, saved my life. And mm -hmm. he allowed me to be mad at him. Right. That's really difficult. That's mm -hmm. really difficult. Mm -hmm. But it saved my life. Yeah. And, I, and I always tell people, because it wasn't like right away he was like, okay, now you're done. Because I remember calling him at six months and being like, okay, I'm ready. It's like, uh, I thought you'd learn more than that. Okay, you can go, but we're not going to support you. I said, okay. I didn't end up leaving, but I just you will continue to test your family because uh -huh. as long as you can manipulate them and get what you think you want, you will go on. Right. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, how if people are listening to this and they will they have a family member that they feel needs help right now, the holiday season, perfect, 
Christmas gifts or Hanukkah gift, right? Um, how can they contact either of you, both of you? So, give my phone number. Yep. Well, or website or whatever. Uh, of whatever. Website. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any contact. So again, I'm Caitlin Stowell, and it's www. B as in boy R C recovery dot com, and um, you can also reach out to me. I have. My cell phone is open to everyone at okay. 770-401-1169. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk to anyone. Uh, my phone, I'm on call 24-7. Okay, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to post that later tonight on my website about this program. So if people missed it, they can go there and they can um, find it right there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, again, thanks for having me on the program. and. Uh, my name is Jay Schneider, Bridge to Shore Interventions, and my phone number is 512-850-3090. You can email me at bridge, the number two, shore, at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, which is www.bridgetoshoreinterventions.com. All right. And can I say one more thing? Sure. If you call and reach out, we'd love to speak with you. Biggest advice I can give a family is that if you call Jay for professional help, listen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen to what he has to say even when it's hard. And your loved one can get help. There is hope. Right. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks. And it's, it's you know, very important, um, you know, if you are suffering and you're listening to this from addiction or alcoholism or mental health, it's never too late to reach out for help. Um, you're not alone. There's a lot, a lot of people here to help you. And uh, I know Caitlin and I welcome your phone calls and whatever we can do to help, we'd be happy to. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you both for being on the program. Thanks thank you so for much. having us. Um, yeah, you'll have to come back again. Will do. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break and we have some more to come. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the facts. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years on drmarakarpell.com and on blogtalkradio.com. And um, that was great. I learned a lot in that interview with Caitlin and Jay, and um, I hope that it was helpful to some of you out there who might need this right now. Um, and they'll be back. This is a great interview. So um, just to fill you in on a little bit of news, uh, let's see. There's a lot of news coming soon about this show, but I'm not ready to share it yet until I have all the details. So um, stay tuned for that. And meanwhile, um, I mentioned last week, and if you weren't listening last week, one of my most recent blogs, Spirituality without compassionate action is selfish. Uh, creating with compassion is a key element to passionate living. That blog was posted in SavannahSpirit.com a couple of times. And now, last week, it was posted for the third time. So I am guessing that they really liked it and a lot of people really um, resonated with that type of approach that we really, if you want to um, consider yourself spiritual, <laughs> then it's important to take compassionate action. And not only that, but compassionate action along with creativity is a key essential element to living a sustainably passionate life. So you can check out that blog by going to my website. It's there on my website, drmarikarpel.com, and just click on blogs. Um, also, last Thursday, I hope you had a very happy Halloween. We were celebrating at the backstage at El Mercado, the Mexican restaurant on South First Street here in Austin, and Art, the producer of this program, was performing along with Tomas Ramirez, the Jasmanian devil. And we were celebrating Day of the Dead because that also began on the same day as Halloween. And I was at the door collecting the low uh, fee of $4.50 with my face painted. So that was a lot of fun. And we... Um, Art is going to be presenting with Accomplice Entertainment another show on the 14th, November 14th. Lisa Marshall and her trio will be performing, and the doors open at 6.30, and the downbeat, as they say, is at 7.30, and it goes until about 9, 9-ish. And again, it's only $4.50 cover, and I will be at the door, so... Come by, say hi, and listen to some really great music. Lisa Marshall has been on the show many times, 
and she is an, just a beautiful, beautiful voice, very soulful. So come on out, and we'll see you there. Um, so I wanted to talk just a little bit about, um, you know, I was thinking about what am I going to talk about tonight? Um, and I started thinking about my own journey and how sometimes um, I've run into these periods of time where I have a hard time staying focused on my passion. Um, I feel thrown off course by things that are going on in the world and feeling really upset about it you know I um, I'm very I'm very focused on compassion but there are times where I become overwhelmed with compassion and it tends to block me from being able to do anything positive so we want to be able to keep a balance um, in order to be able to continue on our path and bringing our gifts into the world and helping other people so if we go too far into darkness and um, get really wrapped up in the sadness, it can block us. So while compassion is extremely important to live a passionate life and, and compassion does involve feeling pain of other people, um, we have to have a balance because if we don't, then we become paralyzed in our own sadness and despair. So I was thinking about that. And then today um, I received an article, uh, a blog online from Jack Cornfield, who I have spoken about several times on the show. I quoted him in my book. And so I follow him on, I receive his newsletters I'm on his mailing list, and he was talking about um, freedom, emotional freedom in challenging times, and his, art, his blog is called Freedom Amid Challenging Times, and he was talking about how this is a particularly difficult time, that there's a lot of things going on that make us feel really stressed out, and we have to find a way to manage that because if not, as he mentioned, we go into fight, flight, or freeze, um, which, is, which means that we either get really angry um, and we fight everybody. And sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it's good to stand up for people's rights. But when we're fighting everybody and always angry, that can really be detrimental to our lives and to other people's lives. We're not helpful that way. We, the flight part is to just run from it and hide and not deal with anything that's going on in the world, which is also very ineffective and keeps us really from living a passionate life when we're afraid to feel anything, any pain, or see any pain, or we freeze, which is, I think a lot of us tend to become frozen. I think that that's, that that's what happens to me. I freeze, like just feel paralyzed, what, what uh, helpless, what can I do? And so it's really important to stay centered. 
um, as he wrote at the end of this blog, um, in these days of shared difficulties, as Jack Cornfield wrote, first make your heart a zone of peace. And then with courage and calm, you can act, you can speak up, help those in need, dialogue with others, register voters, feed the hungry, care for the vulnerable, contribute to the whole. So in other words, if we're not centered, if we don't find peace within ourselves, then we're not able to really engage in effective action. And he quotes the author, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching to mend the part that is within our reach. So, and Jack Cornfield ends with, together with compassion for all, let us tie our shoes and walk in the direction of truth. So we have to take care of ourselves. And that, you know, that goes for people who are caregivers for, uh, for their loved ones. We have to, you have to take care of yourself in order to be a good caregiver. Um, and that goes for all of us who are caregivers for the world, who want to take care of, of others in the world and more vulnerable populations in the world, people who are not being treated with justice. We have to take care of ourselves in the sense that we need to stay calm and peaceful so that we can come up with um, valuable action. We can do things in a calm and measured way that is that will be more effective than just kind of running around with chickens without our heads. And we want to continue on the path of living a passionate life and being able to bring our gifts and our joy into the world as well at the same time. So, you know, I was looking at my own life and the things that I noticed that when I start to feel that overwhelm, what really helps me to get back to that creative path and the path that's more effective. And I realized that that's it, creativity. Being creative is a way of bringing us back into that centered zone in our heart. That if we can do something like write or draw or paint or sing or play an instrument, it doesn't have to be very good. Where creation is, does, it doesn't mean that it's something that's going to hang up in a museum. This is about bringing your creativity into the world and expressing yourself. And that, that action is a way of bringing you into a more peaceful zone in your own heart, as well as, of course, things like meditating and exercising and eating well and sleeping enough, all of those things play into staying centered, staying on course, being able to have the energy and the wherewithal to help other people and be compassionate towards others. Um, so um, being compassionate towards ourselves taking time out for relaxation, taking time out to do something that brings us joy 
is really a big part of that picture. It's a very important part of the picture. So, you know, as I've talked about the pillars of living a passionate life, I've talked about compassion and generosity, and which are very important, um, gratitude, and having a dream, um, allowing ourselves to dream, rather. Very important, but in order for those pillars to stay standing, and also action. Okay, I figured out that was my fifth pillar that I've recently added in, taking action. Um, but in order for those pillars to stay standing, they're held up by bricks in the foundation. And those bricks are really as important as those pillars. So bricks consist of self-compassion, um, not letting criticism of others to really get into our our heart and our soul and stop us from doing what we know that we we will bring joy to ourselves and to the world, um, not criticizing ourselves, or it's hard to not criticize ourselves. I think we're kind of built that way, but not listening, not taking personally our own criticism, being able to tune it out. Um, and also doing creative things that bring us joy, laughing, having humor is extremely um, beneficial in terms of healing and, and building res resilience to stress. Um, meditation, finding a way to relax, walking in nature. Um, these are all really important things that we need to do in order to stay on the path of um, passion and in order to stay centered and peaceful so that we can be the change in the world, that we can bring peace into the world so that we can be compassionate and take compassionate action. Um, so, you know, for me, I've gotten, I've made it, been more um, consistent in exercising and going to the gym. I've been working at getting more consistent at meditating, although I go in and out of that one. Um, but I know that the days that I do spend some time meditating, I feel a lot better. Um, getting out in nature is now that the, the weather is beautiful, um, here in Austin, it's beautiful anyway. Um, this is a good time to get out and uh, touch the grass, walk among the trees, um, and, and also socializing and just talking to people that are like-minded, that are positive, that make you feel good when you're around them and laughing with people really, really important. Um, we are social creatures, so it's important to have people that you can feel comfortable with, that you can really just be yourself with, and that really helps in building that resilience and that inner uh, peace and strength so that you can be a positive force in the world. Um, you know, and if, you, if you're not... If you don't know people who share your interests, you know, I've talked about this many times that um, there are great groups out there um, 
Meetup.com is a great um, way to meet people that are interested in what you're doing. There are all sorts of uh, meetups that have all different topics and activities and, you know, just find something that you really enjoy learning about or something you enjoy doing. There are hiking meetups. There are discussion meetups. There are meetups where people meet to eat. Um, and that's a great way to meet people who are interested in what you're interested in. So if you're, you're joining a meetup, doing something that you're interested in, you're going to find people who are doing the same thing. Um, joining a club, joining uh, the Y, going to going to adult education classes, all of these are ways of meeting people that you might enjoy spending time with and socializing with and laughing with. So, you know, and also taking a look at some of the things that you say to yourself and how very often you get in, you are the one that gets in your own way with, you know, noticing when you have irrational thoughts that are, you know, putting yourself down or um, feeling that the worst case scenario is going to happen all the time and being able to just disconnect that um, and challenging yourself, asking yourself, is this really true? Is this really true? Um, a, lot of, a lot of the things that we tell ourselves are just not true. So, of course, eating well is important. Um, when we're eating a diet that is low in nutrition and high in sugar and um, lots of non-nutritive calories, we actually become malnourished. We can put on weight and be malnourished. And when we're malnourished, um, our brains don't function the same way. We stop producing the neurotransmitters. We don't produce as much of those neurotransmitters that help us to sleep well and to be in a good mood or to even think clearly and concentrate, be able to concentrate and focus. So adding in more nutri nutritional calories such as through plants, which are really great, probably the best um, form of calories through fruits and vegetables, um, though that will help our brain to function more effectively for us to be able to think more clearly, in addition to helping us to have more energy and um, to keep us from getting sick. So looking at what we're eating is really important. If you're going to McDonald's every day and you're, you know, eating Big Macs every day or uh, just sitting around and eating chips all day, you know, every day, um, you're not going to feel good. And it's, it's going to interfere with your ability to stay peaceful and focused. Sugar, um, which comes in many forms, not just the obvious forms like sweet sweets and candy and cookies and cakes and 
things like that. Sugar also comes in the form of uh, white flour, corn, um, white rice, white potato, if we eat a lot of that. That we're not balancing that and we're eating, that we're focused on our diet, it's focused mainly on eating those things, it will cause our sugar to spike whether or not we have diabetes or a sugar sensitivity, it still will cause our sugar to spike. And when our sugar spikes and then it crashes, we will feel more depressed. We'll feel more tired. Um, it, we just will not feel good. So eating a balanced diet is really a, an important part of staying peaceful and being centered and thinking clearly and being able to plan um, action that makes sense and is rational and is actually helpful and keeps us on track in terms of living our own passion and bringing our talents into the world. And of course, getting enough sleep. We always think that we can get away with less sleep, that we can... um, you know, we'll sleep later. We'll sleep on the weekend. During the week, we're, we're going to be busy burning the candle at both ends. Eventually, that will lead us to get sick. And it will start to interfere with rational thinking and um, focus and concentration and our mood. So getting enough sleep is, is really a, a, an important factor in staying centered during these challenging times. And all of the other things that I described, exercise, eating well, getting out in nature, meditation, creativity, all of those will help us to get better sleep because because our sleep is so sensitive to all of those other issues going on, our, our diet, our lack of exercise or or if we're getting enough exercise and our thoughts, um, our stress will affect our sleep. So it, it, it's cyclic. The sleep will cause more stress. The stress will cause less sleep. Um, You know, lack of sleep causes more stress and stress causes lack of sleep. So we have to approach it from several different ways. Um, several different directions in order to stay centered and stay peaceful and focused on staying on the path, frankly, towards living a passionate life and being able to bring joy into the world and help other people. Okay, so on that note, um, we're going to end the show early because we don't have a musical guest or an artist this evening. And um, I'll let you know what's going on in the next couple of weeks before we get knocked off the air. Um, next Sunday is November 10th, and we are taking off for the holiday weekend. Um, happy Veterans Day to all of you and to all of the veterans out there. Thank you for your service and have a wonderful Veterans Day. And then the following Sunday, November 17th, we'll be back with another live show, and we'll be joined by Reginald Proctor, who has been on the program before as a a musical guest. 
and his musical name is Teddy Houston, but he also is a motivational speaker, and he is coming back on November 17th as wearing his motivational speaker hat. And more. We always have more, so stay tuned and um, keep up with what's going on on Facebook, and you'll find out who else is on the show and what else we're going to talk about. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get the website links and the phone numbers and the email addresses that my guests spoke about on the program, go to my website drmaricarpel.com and that will all be posted later tonight along with the podcast from the program. You can also hear the program again in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio blog talkradio.com slash your golden years and we were videotaping that interview so uh, stay tuned, and that will be posted on YouTube, and I will be posting the link on my Facebook page. So if you follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, you'll find out when you can watch it. You can get the link, and you can find out all kinds of information if you follow me on Facebook, and if you want to hear all of the previous programs and listen and find out all the information from the previous programs, again, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, or you can just listen to them at blogtalkradio.com. And this evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald DeVere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guest, Jay Schneider, and Caitlin Stowell. And of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring couple of weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone.
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Oh, wow.